Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Tony, we've taken our break. We're back to recording. Um, you still doing good? I am doing great. Uh, not very eventful 20 minutes, but, uh, you know, I guess a lot of things could have happened. It's 2020, so, I mean, 20 minutes could make a big difference this year. We just got back from a trip um, to Pennsylvania, and I'm very thankful that we did because they just this week they have increased their guidelines for uh, COVID pretty stringently. And so we made it in and out just in time. And thankfully, we didn't spread COVID that, that we know of. Um, was it is has fall actually arrived there in Maryland? I'm gonna guess that it has. Oh, it is chilly here today. So we had the early fall was quite warm, and then uh, that has not been the case as of late, to say the least. Yeah, when we were in Pennsylvania, um, it was actually unseasonably warm, and my wife had to go try to find a pair of shorts for my little boy because he gets hot very easily. And so trying to find shorts in Pennsylvania in November, it's you know a little bit of a scavenger hunt but she did find one pair that would fit him so um but then the the, earlier in the week though it had snowed and the day we left it was frost on the ground so but it is it's pretty cool here in georgia today too um well tony we're we're on the cusp of thanksgiving and we're looking at christmas and um if you've been in any stores the christmas decorations have been up i don't know since like july or something um but you know Christmas songs. There is something about uh, Christmas time, and there's just a ton of music that comes with it, both secular and more religious or Christian music. Um, I mean, there's just you know, there's it's like a whole it's its own genre, uh, and probably our kids can sing a lot of Christmas songs, so they hear them, they sing them a lot, and uh, could sing at least parts of them from memory or know the melodies. But do you think that they always know what those songs are talking about? That's one of those things where even like Richard Dawkins talks about how much he likes Christmas music, like the Christian Christmas music. <laughs> he does. Uh, but it's just that. kind of like a, you know, vague, like we, we more like the rhythms and uh, rather than really thinking about what we're saying when we sing it, right? Well, that is interesting. But yeah, I mean, it, it is something that there's it just kind of permeates and... And I, I, to be clear, I do like uh, Christmas music that's about Jesus. The Christmas music that's sort of, you know, just the cultural stuff, I kind of have come to almost hate it. Um, <laughs> and I think some of it was because I worked a retail job one year, and it, it covered Christmas. And so they had whatever their music service playing, like the same list of songs, uh over and over and over and so you'd hear the same song multiple times in the day and it you know most of them were that kind and it just was like i just got under my skin after a while now Uh, because very few of them would been you know ones that you would sing at church now what would be the worst of those songs to you there's one in particular uh and i can't even remember the song off the top of my head but whenever i hear it uh oh they play it in home alone uh when he he 
sets up the little fake party and um you know the the burglars come and they see all the trains and the people the mannequins moving um but i can't remember the song uh but i i can sort of hear it in my head but i'm not going to sing it for you but like i picture this woman like you know looking like she's from the 60s and it probably came out then um in a, a old smoky bar with a cigarette in her hand singing karaoke like that's just the image i get every time it's just a bad one um but that that's kind of like how i associate or what i associate with some of those kind of things but do, do you have a, a one on your you know low list oh, the definitely lowest on the list? christmas shoes 100 percent christmas shoes that has to be the worst christmas song <laughs> ever written so anyway the, the Let's let's connect the the dots here. Um, <laughs> that went a little long, but if you're still with us, um, that's what we want to talk about about uh, the deep theology that is in Christmas music and and how we can teach kids and and youth about that deep theology and, and why it matters. Um, so, to, why do you think that we have so many Christmas songs that that have deep theology man think of you know uh, veiled in flesh the godhead see hail the incarnate deity uh and, and we could list a number of other ones but there's just a lot of stuff packed in there why, why do you think that we have so much of that yeah so that's a good question you know i i definitely think there are a lot like throughout history but i'm not sure that we have that many deeply theological ones that are popular today and I think almost every, almost all Christmas music that's come out, even from churches in the past 30 years, has, has been anything but deeply theological, uh, is, you know, more cutesy manger stuff. Uh, uh, but early Christians wrote a lot of, like, really ancient, old, deep theology uh, of about the Incarnation. Uh, because the incarnation is such a world-changing reality, and what's interesting is like some of the like really the best, uh, like one of some of the really deepest uh, songs about the incarnation were actually not Christmas songs from the early church, but actually were Lord's Supper songs uh, that focus on the incarnation, uh, as the very early church didn't you know didn't get together and uh, and open up Christmas gifts from Santa Claus or anything like what we do on Christmas Day. So what do you think about that, Ben? Uh, why do you think we have so many uh, deeply theological Christmas songs? Well, I think you're right that the God becoming a man uh, is such a life. It's just it changed everything. And with time, the celebrations that came around Christmas, uh, I think it reflects that. Whereas, you know, now... Easter is a big deal for Christians. I feel like in some ways, though, we still make a bigger deal about Christmas. And some of that is cultural because with all the presidents, presents and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and so I've wondered why do we not have more explicit Easter music? Though we do sing about the resurrection, um, but we don't have like a genre of Easter music. They're both among the most significant events in history. But I think however we got them, why ever we have them, they do uh, give us a great opportunity for teaching, and we're going to get into that. But, I mean, do you think – I mean, you mentioned some of the, the sweet baby Jesus in the manger kind of stuff. Um, and then there's these other songs that have deep theology. Um, but I think you can – good theology can be expressed in kind of common terms. It doesn't have to be using highfalutin language. Uh, but do kids and youth really need to know about the incarnation and the hypostatic union and, and fancy terms like that? 
I would absolutely say they do. Uh, and one of the reasons why I would say they do is even relating it to our own family. Uh, one of our children, uh, when he was a little younger, uh, had expressed uh, and talked about Jesus, you know. And basically, I, I explained Jesus as being God and man as like parts of him were like God and parts of Jesus was man. Uh, and we've corrected him almost like his left arm is like divine, his right arm is man, uh, human. Uh, and that, that's like, it seems silly and laughable. Like, you know, and just, you know, it's, it's hard to get. Uh, but I suspect my son was not alone in not really understanding uh, the nature of Jesus as, you know, while he's a while he's still a child. Uh, you know, I think children have a hard time with that. Uh, and ultimately, this is the most important part of Christmas. So not getting this is really, especially around Christmas time, having your kids not understand this is pretty problematic. Uh, and, and if they don't understand this, it does matter a lot because they actually legitimately could fall to heresy, to false doctrines that, that teach a different gospel, as many, many people have throughout history. And I actually would even say, uh, prob- maybe less with kids, but probably definitely with teens, uh, I wouldn't be afraid to use the uh, the terms even themselves, the incarnation and the hypostatic union. Uh, not, you know, uh, just to kind of hang it over people, but I think words have meaning, and words can give precision. And even teaching them to uh, kids at a young age can be really helpful. What do you think, Ben? Do you think that we should have uh, doctrinal, you know, Seminars where kids have to mem- have to use these words exactly correctly, or else uh, we have uh, Saint Nicholas go and punch him. <laughs> you have to go and get in the, the octagon with Saint Saint Nick. Uh, I mean, I would not be maybe as a, much of a stickler on the terms. I mean, they're not biblical terms, though they have been used in the history of the church widely. Uh, but it, the, I would say that the content of what they're communicating, and maybe with older introducing them to those terms um i wouldn't draw a hard and fast rule about that but yeah i agree that kids and youth really do need to know about these realities uh, because the bible i think is very clear about them even while they may be hard to understand but i mean we i think would affirm and probably i i think our listeners would as well that we need to teach and we did an episode on the trinity but to teach that god is father son and holy spirit um while none of us fully grasp that the Bible holds it out as that's that's the God who's there that we're worshiping, the God who has saved us and uh, who will judge. And so um, I think it is essential. Um, now, I guess before we get too much further, just the big question that some listening, if they endured our our uh, extended uh, rabbit trail about music, if they're still with us, uh, but some listeners or parents or, you know, a kid might ask is, so what? Like, why does it matter that Jesus became uh, – why does this conversation matter? Like how would you answer that kind of just looking at the big picture of this in a summary way of why this conversation matters before we get into some of the particulars? Yeah, I, I want to say simply you know, the gospel is impossible without this. Jesus had not uh, become fully God and fully man if – uh, if the incarnation had never occurred, uh, the, we would have no hope of salvation. Uh, so that's how central this is. Uh, and I think it's it really, we often are what C.S. Lewis calls, we have chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we look at the past as, you know, that out of touch. 
But the early church focused a ton on this doctrine, and they did that for a reason, uh, because they thought this is one of the things that was worth spilling blood and spilling ink for. And we need to take that seriously. I think you are right on about how central it is to the gospel. Now, thankfully, we don't have to pass some kind of doctrinal test in order to be saved, but there are certain things that that we must believe, and ultimately the Lord knows if we believe them or not, um, but we have to believe certain things to be saved. And like you said, I mean, the, the early church did uh, go to great effort to to clearly define this, and part of that arose from false teaching. Um, people saying, well, wait a minute, that's not actually what Scripture says. Okay, wait a minute, you're, you're worshiping the wrong Jesus. And so, I mean, it gets down to issues of idolatry and salvation. And uh, so there are big issues at stake. And so we want to be clear about proclaiming the right Jesus and, and calling young people to repent of their sin and believe in the, the Jesus that, that's there, that, that Scripture uh, proclaims to us. So, Tony, why does Christmas provide a particularly good opportunity to teach young people about some of these these very deep issues of theology? Yeah, so I think in Christmas time, people are thinking doctrinally. Uh, and, you know, I think they're even thinking doctrinally when they do their Santa stuff because a lot of our idea of Santa, and we've talked a lot about Santa in past Christmas podcasts, uh, which I encourage mm-hmm. you to go back to. Uh, but, you know, it's a question of, like, is man basic, is man good? Like, are we good or evil? I mean, we're thinking about theology around Christmas time and almost everything. We're thinking about theology uh, when we respond to uh, how Starbucks is doing their Christmas cups this year, which, by the way, I really like the new Starbucks Christmas cups for the record. But we are also surrounded by Advent as well. I mean, that's something, I mean, you see the how... Uh, popular advent is from even you know i was in a uh, a store and uh, i saw like basically it was like a bud light advent calendar with a little bit of bud light every day or something like that uh and so you know advent's become part of the culture even if we avoid the liturgical so you know advent is fundamentally theology uh and deep theology about the incarnation so Uh, We have to talk about it. And I also will add one last thing. You know, the holidays often provide a lot more time for families to to really teach their kids, you know, especially this year when you don't have as much extended family being seen because of COVID. And there's a lot more time to be together to teach our kids, not just to make delicious cookies, though, make some delicious cookies and send them to Ben and I, please. (laughs) Yes. What do you think, Ben? I think... You're, it does just it's a unique time of the year, particularly in in the West, um, where Christmas is, even though it's been secularized, it's still a really big deal. And there's still a lot of people that are within the orbit of church somehow that maybe they'll go to, you know, Christmas or mass service or something like Christmas Eve kind of thing. And so it does provide like and I think I like what you said about the families having extra time. Uh, particularly this year, and it's just what it's about, um, about God, the eternal God becoming mortal man. And so um, it's just, you know, you want to try to connect life to God, and this is just something that's served up, you know, put up on a tee for us, I think, um, to take a big swing at. So 
what are some of the basics of what we need to present to young people about Jesus's person and his nature in a way that's understandable, but also that doesn't veer into heresy? Yeah. So, um, that, sorry, like the Trinity, uh, I think with this kind of thing, we need to be very, very careful with this topic. Cause like if we try to use analogies, and sometimes if we try to work out how these topics play out, we can very, very quickly become heretics, you know, <laughs> if we stay more, say more than the creeds have said. And that's the great thing about, like, creeds on these topics is that they, they don't say a lot because, like, if you flesh it out more, it's pretty easy to fall into heresy. Uh, but uh, I, I think the basics what we need to understand is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Every bit of Jesus is God and every bit of Jesus is man. There's no like a line that you can split. There's no you can't take a scalpel and, and uh, split apart that. Uh, and I think also a basic to understand for part of it is also that he is still man today. Uh, he Jesus still has a physical body. He is still a man today. He's God man, and he always will be into eternity. Uh, I think that's an important thing to understand about this topic. That's simple and basic. Uh, what do you think, Ben? I think you said that well, concisely. Um, he's fully God, fully man. I, and you talked about one of your children having some trouble understanding that or explaining that. Um, I remember someone that that we used to work with um, when we were in seminary. Who you know, this was not a seminary student, but as someone who was a believer, um, making a comment to me about how it's just amazing how Jesus was part God and and part man, and you know, this person was an adult, and I think really did love the Lord. It was a little confused there. I don't think she was intending to be heretical <laughs> when she said that, um, but I think we do need to be clear about those things. <clears throat> because that is what Scripture teaches us about God. Um, and so I think if, if you, like you said, if you try to get too far into it and, and explain with analogies, you, you can get yourself in some danger. Um, there's a song, as we were, as I was coming up with this, um, there was a song that came to mind. Do you know the artist Shy Lin? I do know the artist. I mean, I don't know him personally, but you know, so. I passed him in the hall once, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but he has a song about it and he talks about, he's, uh, the son of God. Where is it? I pulled the lyrics up here. Um, two natures united in one glorious person, Jesus, the God man, official soul reaper, the hypostatic union. It gets no deeper. Uh, and then at some point he says something about 200 percents. Um, like he's, he's more than, uh, he's, he is fully God and he is fully man. He's more than a man, but the, but the, the 200 percents, whatever he is, he is, um, he is different than us, even though he is like us, he is different than us. And so I think trying to get that across, you know, to a child that it's just, he is, he is more than us. Um, I guess just in very, very basic terms, but, uh, it, it's a deep topic. What can we say? It is. Um, yeah. Tony, are there elements that we could bring in as we approach this in teaching that would go beyond simply just telling the narrative of, of baby Jesus in the manger? I think what's fascinating about this topic actually is only two of the gospels teach the narrative of, you know, this manger story. 
Uh, you know, only, it's only in Matthew and Luke. Mark and John don't remotely mention uh, the birth of Jesus in that kind of way. Uh, but all of the Bible, like in so many parts of the Bible, so many books of the Bible, teach about the incarnation. Uh, and so I think one way maybe the, and to bring this great truth incarnation beyond just the, you know, the birth narrative is to like read John 1 this Christmas time. Uh, yeah, I think it's sad how little John 1 is incorporated into our Christmas uh, Bible reading time. Uh, or even like sing an old Christmas song. Don't just, you know, sing the cutesy new ones. Uh, but uh, one of the oldest songs that is somewhat related to Christmas is Little Mortal Flesh Keeps Silence. Uh, and, I mean, it goes back to, like, the early church. And, uh, obviously, it was not written in English originally. Uh, but uh, I think it's, like, really deep and really profound adoration at the unbelievable concept that God became man. I like the idea about bringing in some of those older songs. And there have been some, um, I mean, you, you just, you're more of a history buff than me, but some that have been recovered. Um, and I think just incorporating that, playing it in your house, singing it together as a family, uh, singing it in your church. Um, but also, as you teach, kind of dig in a little bit to what's going on. I mean, yes, use the the narrative accounts, and, and kids in particular enjoy narrative. Um, but use dig in instead of just you know he, he was born. Um, spend a little time to reflect, ask them some questions, and and help them to to see what is going on maybe a little bit beneath the surface. Um, do a little theological reflection in a way that they can understand. By the way, I do want to add, like, you know, uh, the, I love the old stuff, but there's some really good modern Christmas stuff out there. I mean, I really love the uh, Gettys, uh, that the, some of the more recent Getty stuff uh, on Christmas, or even like from about 15 years ago or so, Red Mountain Church uh, made a really good uh, Christmas uh, CD. So I don't think they've done much since then, but uh, there are definitely some really deep stuff that is out there still today. Yeah, and I think when both of us, when we use the term deep, it doesn't have to necessarily sound like it was written in some other century. Just that the, the content of the truth there is, is telling you, because we're talking about a God who is very deep. And so... Um, yeah, that can be expressed in simple language, too. So, Tony, why is it important that God, the eternal God, the Son, become a human? Yeah, so one thing I want to say, uh, you know, you listen to our responses to this, but I actually think the best responses to this question is the way that Hebrews starts. Uh, the book of Hebrews kind of starts the first, like, three chapters about why it was important that— uh, God the Son become human. Uh, but uh, I, I think we see from that, as well as other places in Scripture, he is, can become the true substitute. Uh, that's, I mean, that's why none of those lambs in the Old Testament really made much of a difference. I mean, you know, they were only really a symbol in the Old Testament. People weren't purified permanently from sin. They had to have lambs slain over and over again as a blood path, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But Jesus is truly able to die in our place, take our punishment for us, because he became a human, because he became what we are, uh, but a perfect version of what we are. Uh, I think also, and he can empathize with us 
uh, and our temptations and our sorrows because he became a man uh, that he knows what it means to walk this walk the roads that we walk uh, and more than even like God knows everything of course uh, but he can really he can relate in that kind of way uh, and also I'll add one thing that is fascinating in Hebrews is Hebrews actually shows us that God the Son became incarnate became a human so that he could be lifted up himself so that he could be lifted up as the true king of the universe uh, so it's for his own glory as well it's not just out of, only out of love for us but it's also out of his own love for his glory which is good and right what would you add to that Oh, I really like what you said, and that you know Romans one makes the case that um, he's been exalted um, because of his death and resurrection. Um, it was going through that process, and in Philippians two, you know he submitted to the Father's will and he's lifted up. And God made us in His image. We messed that up. Now Jesus comes, and, and again using Hebrews, um, he perfectly images God to us. He, he is the perfect human. He shows us what we should have been, and um, I, that's it. He came and lived the life that we should have lived. And so for us to be saved, to be reconciled to God, to properly bear God's image and, and to glorify him, we needed someone who was a, a human substitute. And so um, that's, that's why we needed uh, a human to stand in our place. So, Tony, though— now, going a step further, why is it important that a savior for humans not just be human, but also be fully divine? Well, I, I want to say that uh, it would have been nice to, you know, nice to have a new Adam to start over. Some people think a lot, you know. Uh, I, I've actually, like, being able to interact with young people that are, you know, like, almost wish that there could be another shot at the whole Adam thing. Uh, but a new Adam would have failed again. I mean, Jesus is the second Adam, but like just a, a human that didn't have a sinful nature again would undoubtedly have failed given enough time, would not have been able to be the substitute for us. You needed uh, the God-man. Uh, and I also, I think, really, I, there could never have been another Adam because of uh, the sinful nature that's passed down because of original sin, as Christians have called it for a long time. And so uh, God, that Jesus needed this kind of divine, miraculous birth that could only come through his own divinity uh, that to be able to be a possible break from the chain of sin. Uh, and uh, lastly, I'll add, because Jesus is divine, he can not only be our substitute, but he can defeat death by his own power. Uh, for him, for his glory, and for for our exaltation. But what would you add to that? I'm sure you have a lot of better thoughts on that. Uh, a lot, or or better. But um, I do like what you said. I think I, I really like the the part about defeating death. And I think often, I mean, connecting this to Easter. Um, but sometimes we we just think about the resurrection and turn like, wow, that was powerful. That was cool. Um, but he was overcoming the effects of sin and saying, like, no, I'm, I'm writing the last words of the story and my intentions for creation, for life and uh, life lived with God. Like that's going to win out death and Satan. That's not going to be the final word. Um, but, yeah, I mean he's of, of infinite value and infinite worth. And I mean I think it magnifies God's glory as well, showing – 
this is who God is. God is a God who gives of, of himself and um, and then calls us to live in that way as well. It gives us further grounding and, and support in that. I'm going, okay, this is this is who God is and this is how God loves. Okay, then yeah, we're empowered and we mm-hmm. see the example, but we're also empowered to live that way by this same God uh, who – who would identify with us, you know, so, so closely and intimately. So, I mean, those are some of the things that, that that's at the heart of what we're getting at, why this, this conversation matters, um, why we should teach this deep theology that none of us can fully get to the bottom of. Uh, and that's, there's a lot of ink that's been spilled and, and pro- rightfully so in the history of the church. Um, but it's not just a matter of, you know, debate and stuff. I mean, it, it's about proclaiming the God who's there. So that brings us to this next question. What should we aim to, to show young people about God by teaching these things that are deep, but they're clearly affirmed in the Bible? I think we should aim to show them God's love is one thing very clearly. Because I, I think that the incarnation, it's sad when we miss it, when we forget about it, because it shows the extent of God's love for the world. It is also for his own glory. Uh, but, like, when we just see, like, the just, you know, the cute baby in the manger is all, and we don't really meditate on the incarnation, you know, it's all, it's all fine and trite, uh, but it's not this unbelievable undeniable statement that God loved us enough to come down to be with us. Uh, and I think that shows them that God is unchanging and that, you know, God never stops being God that, uh, and I think that's an important aspect that they can trust in, you know, that Jesus wasn't just like us, but he was the God man as well. And he never stopped. He was always God and he always will continue to be. He just, added being human as well. Uh, and I think that is a helpful thing to instill in our kids an understanding of. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, the love of God, the the power of God to be able to do this, um, the, the wisdom of God in orchestrating this plan and promising it, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that we, we want to show them. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I think his love in general, we can hold that high and spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, so kind of related to that, there's things that we're, we're trying to show young people about God, helping them see what effects can we hope for? When we teach these things that Scripture affirms about uh, Jesus' incarnation to youth and, and even to children. Yeah, so when I saw this question, I thought of the movie Talladega Nights, uh, old uh, Will Ferrell <laughs> movie. Have you ever seen that movie? I I have, yes. Yeah, there's a... Ricky uh, Bobby. Yeah, there's a scene where... Uh, one of the characters characters was talking about how they want to envision Jesus and like and they want to pray to baby Jesus all like the, the scene and has and, been playing in my mind as we've been talking oh about this goodness. with the major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, and I think sometimes we want to have you know 
that that the wiki bobby jesus you know the jesus that you know doesn't really confront us that doesn't uh really make us change our life it's just you know quaint and, and nice for christmas uh but i think we can have a greater jesus at christmas than the wiki bobby scene jesus we can have a yeah. powerful jesus that was even god when in the manger he was a maker of those stars that uh, guided the, you know, that guided people to come and worship him. Uh, and I think that they can have better wonder at Christmas than even Santa Claus. You know, people talk about the wonder of Santa Claus. I mean, there's all these Christmas specials nowadays about recapturing wonder and belief during Christmas time through Santa Claus. Uh, but if we teach them the unbelievable and a yet true reality of the incarnation man that is wonder that they're gonna have yeah and that's that same word i came to my mind wonder and awe and and humility i mean i remember a moment when uh, i don't know if you were in seminary yet or not but i at least was in classes and it was around christmas and uh, i remember walking back from the main part of the campus down to the apartment that we lived in at the time and it just striking me like in a really strong way the the wonder of the eternal god stepping down into this world that's so messed up to become one of us and then ultimately to to bear the penalty of our sin bear his own wrath against us um and it it just you know moved my heart to worship the lord and um, I, and I think that's one of the biggest things because there is there's certainly mystery in this that we're not going to maybe ever get to the bottom of, but maybe that's part of the the ever increasing grace uh, that the Lord will will show us that Ephesians two talks about in the ages to come. Um, we'll, we'll get a a little bit better glimpse at it, but that our hearts it just makes our hearts sing, uh, and, and you know particularly with kids they're you know, kids five, six years old around that age, they start being able to put some more of the pieces together and uh, just being, well, and maybe even a little younger than that, just being in awe of God and painting this big picture of who God is. Um, and, you know, we a little earlier interviewed uh, a missionary, uh, Dr. Stephen, and him talking about, you know, a, a big God and living like God is valuable. And some of those kind of things are just still in my mind uh, that when we help kids to see this big God, um, that's going to help them worship and love and obey and, and take risks and live in a way that shows that God is valuable, even as we sow the seeds of that when they're young. And I mean, with kids that, that you're working with that are um, closer to adulthood, but uh, the, the soil is fertile for that kind of thing, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Oh well, Tony, thanks for you know discussing this with me. Um, you know, as as we move towards Christmas, and hope this will be uh, helpful as you as you listen with your own family, with those at church, to to consider these these really deep truths that do really make a difference in our lives. That can move us to worship God and to obey God and to just bow in humility at this amazing God who's full of wonder and, and should inspire awe in our hearts. So 
Thanks for listening, and God bless. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.